Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, DMV? Hope everybody is doing well today. We are broadcasting live on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980 across your AM, FM dial. We are on the Odyssey app and on the stream at thefandc.com as well as the team 980com And however... You've got us tuned in today. We appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I'm Danny Noakes, Connor in studio, producing the show. We're with you for another couple of hours. Hit us up coming up over the next couple of segments because right now we're going over to the BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smart and Bet the Books with BetQL. Let's give a warm welcome to our guy, Troy Halliburton, who covers the Wizards. There's been a lot to look at with regards to the Wizards here over the last couple of weeks. You can follow Troy on Twitter if you'd like, at Troy Hallibur. Troy, thanks so much for carving out a little bit of time for us on a Saturday afternoon, my man. How's everything going? Hey, thanks, thank you for having me, Danny. Uh, I think that, you know, for anybody who's on the Wizards beat for the last couple of years, it, it's been, you know, very dry and bland. And then all of a sudden, over the last week, we get, you know, the, we're the most talked about team, uh, or at least one of the most talked about teams in the NBA, because we're the only ones out here actually making moves. Yeah, it's funny. It kind of feels like you're walking through a desert and then all of a sudden you stumble upon this oasis of actual things to talk about and, and news, really, that guys like you, Troy, and, and like you said, beat reporters that cover this team have, have been waiting years to see happen. So the rebuild has officially been set in motion, right? Several moves have been made in the last couple of weeks, and I want to get to all of them. I think we should actually go back in time a little bit and start with Probably the biggest move that the Wizards made, the the longest, uh, the the longest hoped for move, I guess, from from many fans' perspectives. But obviously, the deal to send Bradley Beal out to Phoenix to play alongside Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in exchange, the Wizards got Chris Paul, who is no longer a member of the Wizards as well. I'm really just curious, though, as as to your thoughts on what how that deal came together to send Brad to the Phoenix Suns, what his, his, his legacy here in D.C. is, and what the future for him might look like outside the city. Yeah, so I think when you start talking about the, the trade to uh, send Bradley Bill to the Phoenix Suns, the, the first two things that have to be mentioned are the contract and the no-trade clause. Yeah. And so you know, that, that's why you end up with what most people thought to be a uh, – you know, a, a little such a little return for a, for a guy who you know was once averaging thirty points per game in the NBA. You know, when you look at him signing that super max contract, which you know escalates and, and ends up with him, you know, four four years from now making fifty seven million dollars. 
you know, for an annual salary, you know, that, that, that it seems to be, you know, pretty much unattainable for, for the Wizards organization or for the new front office to, to be paying that type of money to, uh, you know, have a guy come in and only lead the team to 35 wins. So you have to look at the, just the pure, you know, just the, the accounting of paying a guy as a top five player in the NBA when he really is probably only a top 30 talent. And so, and then when you take all of that into account and then you add in the no trade call, you know, it pretty much limited, severely limited their options as far as where they could trade him. And so Bradley Bill pretty much held all the cards and forced his way to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and, and Troy, I'm really glad you mentioned the no trade clause because you're absolutely right. It really is the first thing that needs to be mentioned with regards to the Bradley Beal deal and sending him out to Phoenix. He could have overruled, vetoed virtually any trade that the Wizards would have involved him in if he wanted to. So they, they had to be very selective when it came to deciding where they were actually going to send him and actually rate... Uh, you know, the the return that they would get for him. Now, obviously, there are other couple of guys here, and, and maybe the guy that, that flies under the radar the most and, and went most quietly into the night and will no longer be a wizard this season, it appears, is Kyle Kuzma, who opted out of the final deal, uh, final year of his deal. So what do you make of his decision to, to enter free agency? It's not that surprising. Uh, who do you think he ends up with? Uh, well, I think it's not surprising at all, given the fact that you know, he signed a very team-friendly deal with the Los Angeles Lakers a few years back that only saw him making $13 million annually. And so when you look at, you know, his production, a guy who's averaging nearly 20 points a game, you know, there's no way that he could, you know, opt into a contract where he only makes $13 million. You know, this is a guy who is going to make, I believe, somewhere between 18 and $25 million on the uh, open market. And so right now it's kind of tough to tell uh, where he will end up. Uh, you know, I think that there are a lot of teams with cap space who would be interested in having a veteran uh, NBA champion, uh, 3D wing player such as Kyle Kuzma. Um, what, one of the moves that I've been looking at uh, is the fact that, you know, the Sacramento Kings, who were just the number three seed in this past year's Western Conference uh, playoffs, that, you know, they traded out of the first round to dump salary to create themselves uh, $30 million worth of cap space. And so you look at a guy like uh, Kuzma, who would fit in perfectly in, in that system uh, in, in, uh, in, in Sacramento as an upgrade over uh, the Harrison Barnes spot that they had last year. So if I had to take a guess, I think that that would be the most likely outcome. But, you know, don't, don't be surprised if he ends up on a team like uh, his, his hometown or home state uh, Detroit Pistons. They have a lot of money. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs have a lot of cap space. The Houston Rockets have a lot of cap space, although I think that, you know, that would be a little bit tougher of a fit given as though, you know, they drafted Jabari Smith last year. But there, there are a few teams I think that would be interested in Kyle Kuzma's services, which made it a no-brainer decision for him to opt out of his contract with the Wizards. A lot of interesting landing spots potentially there for Kyle Kuzma. You mentioned Sacramento. That's one that I would definitely keep an eye on the Kings really outperformed their expectations over the last season. We're talking with Wizards reporter Troy Halliburton here on the BetQL guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter at Troy Halliburton. Troy, obviously another deal that went down that involved the Wizards was Kristaps Porzingis being sent to the Boston Celtics and a three-team deal that featured Marcus Smart obviously heading to the Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. Uh, Porzingis was another guy that, and you could really say this probably about Beal Porzingis and Kuzma, 
all very good players. You put the three of them together, the Wizards didn't quite get the results that they had hoped, and, and each of them was probably making a little bit more money than they were worth, considering what the results for the Wizards were. But what do you rate what the Wizards got done by sending Porzingis up to Boston, getting a return of three players in a draft pick? Yeah, I like I like that deal just because, like you said, you know, Christoph Porzingis had his best season in the NBA last year playing for the Wizards. And, but when you really look over the course of his uh, NBA career, he has uh, not shown the consistency in his play nor his ability to actually stay on the court. And so w- w- with them getting, getting out of his contract and, and quietly as it's kept, you know, Porzingis pretty much leveraged his way out of D.C. in a way that, you know, w- was very beneficial for him because he had a lot of power with his $36 million uh, uh, player option. Yeah. And so I think that when, when you had that, that, that trade that first got announced uh, on, on the day before the draft where, you know, he was supposed to be going to Boston and Malcolm Brogdon was supposed to be going to the Los uh, Angeles Clippers, when right. that deal fell apart, um, you know, I think that Chris Porzingis leveraged his opt-in and went back to the Wizards and told them that they, they, that they needed to get a deal done. And so, or, or, or that he was threatening to opt out and they would lose him for nothing. And so that's why I think that, you know, they went back to the draw board with the Boston Celtics and were able to at least get uh, Tyus Jones, who many pundits around the NBA uh, have identified as the best backup point guard in the NBA. And so that's a very tangible asset that they can either use uh, and, and play next year or they can, uh, you know, flip him and for, for even more assets. And so yeah, I, I think that, you know, considering the fact that Kristaps Porzingis had a $36 million player option, they didn't really you, – you, you can't really get into a rebuild and be paying a guy $36 million. Like, that didn't really make a lot of sense. And then they also couldn't lose the asset for nothing. So I thought that it was, uh, you know, just quite a debt for the, the front office to be able to pull off and go back to the uh, negotiating table with the Celtics and get a deal done at well, literally at the midnight buzzer. <laughs> I, I think I think they do deserve some credit, Troy, because I think the front office there has has been in a tough situation for a couple of different reasons. Whether it was the no trade the no trade clause in Bradley Beal's contract, or or the large contracts that, as you mentioned, Kristaps Porzingis had, and and some of the other guys that have since been moved. Now, I've just got a couple of more here for you, partner, before we let you go. And right before the NBA draft got kicked off on Thursday night, the news broke hours before, noting that. Chris Paul, who obviously was sent to Washington in the Bradley Beal trade, would then be traded to the Warriors in exchange for a collection of players and draft picks, including Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole's a pretty good player. And this was, this was I think, probably the, the most Wizards-friendly deal of anything that they've done recently. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, shout out to CP3, the Wizard. We hardly knew the... Uh, but I think that, you know, when you look at the, when, when the Wizards, all of the headlines from when the Wizards made the Bradley Bill trade, you know, a lot of national people were essentially saying that the Wizards traded Bradley Bill for nothing. I mean, the Wizards traded, got back nothing for Bradley Bill. Right. And it's like, no, not quite. Chris Paul was all NBA just two seasons ago where Brad wasn't. He was an all-star two seasons ago where Brad wasn't. And this is a guy who, uh, yeah, he played more basketball games than Bradley Bill did last season. So this is a guy who, yes, I know he's 38 years old, but he, you know, he, he's one of the top 75 players of all time. And, you know, while he showed a little bit of, a, a little bit of attrition uh, in terms of his ability to stay in front of opposing, opposing uh, point guards on the defensive end, this is a guy who still can command an NBA offense. 
and still have a lot of tangible as, uh, assets to bring to a basketball team. And so when you look at it from the Wizards' perspective, uh, to be able to get rid of that $30 million contract, now I always uh, contended that it was going to be really tough for them to find a, uh, a trade partner just because, you know, teams don't trade for 38-year-old point uh, uh, guards making $38 million. That's just not a thing that happens. Right. And the Wizards, I don't think, you know, people who know Ted Leosis as an owner, you know, he doesn't really, you know, buy people out or pay people to, to not perform under their contract. And so for them to, you know, come through and get a deal done with the Golden State Warriors and add a 24-year-old player in Jordan Poole, who averaged 20 points per game last season, coming off the bench, playing with Steph and Clay. Like, this is a guy who, at 24 years old, has a lot of growth in his game and the ability for him to, you know, there's only 110 possessions in the NBA basketball game. This guy's going to be able to come to D.C. And, and, and pretty much, you know, control the ball for 35 to 40 possessions for, 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 uh, per game for, and, and just go out and, and, just, and just put the ball up and, and really try to grow and blossom into uh, the player that, you know, we all think that he can be. Great perspective there, too, Troy. I, just going back and, and noting that just a couple of seasons ago, obviously, CP3, All-NBA. He was an All-Star. Bradley Beal can't say those things. It's almost like, and, and we all know the the potential that Bradley Beal has here in Washington, D.C. We've, we've seen the highs. We've seen the lows. We've seen that potential. So he's obviously a good player, but it's almost like folks outside of Washington, D.C. hype him up a little bit more than, than he actually has produced over the last couple of seasons but real quick Troy but before I let you go partner I just want to get to obviously the picks that were made by the Wizards on Thursday night starting with Bilal Koulibaly who was a part of a trade the Wizards made on draft night right with the Indiana Pacers because they took Walker and ultimately flipped him to the Pacers who took Koulibaly the pick before so obviously Bilal Koulibaly Troy He's the, the teammate of Victor Wembanyama, one of, if not the, the highest touted prospects since LeBron James came into the NBA. What did you make of the decision to go and get Koulibaly for the Wizards, and, and what do you think his development looks like over the first couple of years? Well, I think that this goes back to, like I said, the, the, the front office. You know, they're running pretty much economic game theory, and, you know, they're looking <laughs> at the market and trying to predict what others are going to do and so, yes, it might result in a less optimal outcome for them. But if you, if you know, so, for example, uh, Will Dawkins just came over from the Oklahoma City Center. Two weeks ago, he was in the OKC war room. He knows that they want uh, Bilal uh, Kulabali. And so if there are rumors going out there that, you know, teams are trying to jump up to the Pacers' spot to get this player, and you have intel from a guy who was literally two weeks ago, you know, in these war rooms, like, I think that, you know, for them, if, if they believe that that's their guy, and, you know, giving away some of those second-round picks that they acquired in the Bradley Bill trade, it's it, 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 it really not that bad of an outcome. Yes, it's less optimal, but, you know, they, they, they had the intel that told them that teams might jump in front of them. So in order to prevent that, they went out and got their guy. Now, when it comes to uh, what Bilal Kulabali uh, is, is as a prospect, you know, I think that this is a guy who – it's a home run type of uh, swing from the Wizards organization because he has a lot of growth left in, uh, in him when it comes to not only his physical stature, but, you know, his, and what he can be as a basketball player. This is a guy who two years ago was only six feet tall, and now he's uh, 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan. And so this is, he started out this season on the Metropolitan 92. He started out the year on the under-21 squad, the B squad. 
And so at the beginning of the season, you know, he, he, he was really, you know, had, he's a guard, he had the ball in his hands. But over the course of the years, he proved to you know, that organization and that coaching staff that he deserved to be playing with the big boys. And then by the end of the year, he's starting next to Victor Wimbanyama and helping lead Metropolitan S92 to the championship series, the championship round in the French League. So this is a guy who, yes, he's, he's, he's only 18 years old. Uh, he's, he's still growing as a, as a person a, into his body, like literally. And his, his game has a lot of growth when you look at the fact that, you know, he, he's still going to be adjusting to his new body, but his athleticism is off of the charts when it comes to, you know, his ability to, to, to move uh, and cut on the basketball court and his ability to, to jump vertically. Like, this is a guy who has a lot of attributes, and if he continues to grow, you know, like I said, he was, he, this past year he was not projected to be an NBA player at all, and by the end of the season he is a top-10 pick. And so if he continues to be on that trajectory, you know, I know a lot of Wizards fans on Twitter where he said, you know, he could be the next uh, Giannis, I think that that's a far stretch because, you know, Giannis is, you know, literally probably one of the top 25 players to ever play the game. But I do believe there's a world in which he could be a potential Pascal Siakam type, you know, a guy that continues to grow. And, and, and if he like, develops a three-point shot, then this, he's going to be a very, very, very highly talented asset uh, for the Wizards organization. Yeah, it's great insight, Troy. I, I think a lot of people weren't aware of, of his journey in France over the last year. So it's it's quite interesting, and it's hard not to get excited about the guy's athleticism. We'll see what he has in store for his Wizards career over the first couple of years of his career. But, Troy, I'll let you go, man. Thanks so much for carving out a little bit of time for us on a Saturday, buddy. We'll catch up again soon. All right, thank you so much, Dan. You got him, man. That's Troy Halliburton. He covers the Washington Wizards. One more time, you can find him on Twitter, at Troy Halliburton. All right, let's get to a break. We're talking a little Nationals coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A big thank you to our guy Troy Halliburton for joining us in the last segment. Troy, a Wizards reporter, has been all over all of the happenings surrounding DC's NBA franchise. It's been actually a lot of fun to see what this team 
is looking toward the future and doing some things, making some moves that have long been needed to be made. So appreciate Troy's analysis. Use the rewind function of the Odyssey app if you want to go back and check out that interview. Also, the podcast will be available a little bit later on after we get off the air. I'm Danny Noakes with you for a little over an hour and a half left. 3 p.m. is when we hand things off to Ben Standick. But we've talked some Wizards, we talked some Commanders, and now we're going to move on over to the Washington Nationals, who we will also talk some more about with Ryan Clary, producer for Grant and Danny at the top of the 2 o'clock hour, also the host of the Locked On Nationals podcast. But the Nationals are an interesting team to follow this season. For us here in the DMV, most other people would probably not feel that way because the Nationals at least got off to a start this year that was not quite as poor as a lot of people would have thought. Now, things have changed over the last couple of weeks, and the Nationals have begun to skid a little bit. They're 3-15 and 15 over their last 18 games, with, I think, only just barely avoiding a couple of sweeps in, uh, in several of these series that have happened most recently. And speaking of most recently, the Nationals falling to the San Diego Padres last night by a score of 13-3. to I did not stay up to watch the conclusion of this game. Didn't feel like I needed to because it was already in the bag. But obviously watching the Padres just blast Patrick Corbin for seven earned runs on only three strikeouts and three walks. It's kind of what you have come to expect out of Patrick Corbin and and really the Washington Nationals when they go up against a team that has so much more offensive firepower than they do and and that's why you know I look at someone like Corbin who this year is four and nine with a 5.32 ERA this season that's actually an improvement off of the last couple of years it's not good at all it's it's bad right but it's better than what he's been giving you for the last couple of years believe it or not that ERA has been even higher he hasn't been able to often get through five innings of work even if he's giving up seven earned runs right So my attitude towards this team has actually changed quite a bit over the first couple of months of this season. And I I know it's crazy to think about when you're talking about a team that's 28 and 47 and in the basement of the National League East and, and several years away, likely from competing for an actual playoff spot. And certainly beyond that, any championships or, or the like, I, I still, see a lot of potential with this team and are there holes of course there are because this is such a young team that is trying to get some of their prospects to the point where they're competing but also contributing on a day in and day out basis and you know I think man I I think for for the first couple of months you definitely saw that and and you see it in smaller doses now over this last 20 game stretch because Again, the, the Nationals just have not quite been playing as well. But, you know, you look at guys like Lane Thomas and, and Joey Manessis has, has, I think, started to find his form. And and Manessis was someone that came in, obviously, off of the World Baseball Classic the, uh, earlier this year where he was on fire for, for Mexico, putting up great numbers. He put up great numbers for the Nationals last year as well. Kind of came out of the gates a little bit slow, but has since then regained form hitting 291 on base percentage 332 
right? There, there's, there's not a lot of guys that you, you have to work your way around with this Nationals lineup. And, and in that regard, no one is really benefiting from anything like that. But I, I think the standout offensively for the Nationals this year is, is who a lot of people continue to point to, and that's Lane Thomas, who's batting 290 now. Went 0 for 3 last night with a couple of strikeouts. So, no, that was not a very good game from him, but he slugged 493, which of the starting lineup the Nationals trotted out there yesterday, it does lead the team. And if you want to extrapolate that out a little further with some of the guys that don't play every day like Lane does, you might find some different results. But he's definitely been the most consistent guy at the plate this year. And and finding his groove in that leadoff spot, I think, has... has just been a godsend for for the Nationals and again I'm remaining with the perspective that the Nationals are 28 and 47 they're not a good baseball team they're they're not playing particularly good baseball right now but I just have to look at this from the perspective of the expectations going into this season with a team full of prospects guys that are unproven really young players right one of if not the youngest rosters in Major League Baseball right now I figured their ceiling was maybe 60 games, right? Now, coming up on the midway point of the season, it looks like the Nationals are going to get ahead of that, but with the way that they've been playing, maybe they start to lose some of that momentum as they already have. 20 games back in the National League East, obviously not in any sort of position to talk about contention right there, but the Mets and the Phillies have underachieved a little bit so far this season. The Mets big time being seven games under 500. The Phillies are are starting to sort of get themselves back to where most people thought that they would be adding Trey Turner this offseason and, and, and a lineup that already features Schwarber, Harper, Real Muto, and, and other talented guys as well. So it doesn't help that the Nats are, are playing in a tougher division and you know, their opponent this week and the San Diego Padres has also been a disappointment. Two games under 500 after being a playoff team a season ago. They play in the always difficult National League West, though, right? The Dodgers, they've got a, a roster full of talented guys, as they always do. The Giants overachieved last year and, and have continued their success from a season ago to put them 10 games over 500 right now. But it's actually the Diamondbacks, who the Nationals just got finished playing a series with a couple of days ago that lead that division with a record of 46 and 31. So things have been maybe a little bit different than expected for the Nationals here in, in 2023, but I, I think it's mostly been for the positive. And when you look at what the biggest shortcomings of the team are, I think it's pretty obvious, right? There's two things you look at first, the bullpen and their inability to produce consistent offense, right? And those are the two things that we expected them to struggle with this season. The, the two things I would say that they've really taken a step back from in this 18-game stretch that's seen them go 3-15, and 15, they're not playing as sharp a defense, and they make a lot of base-running mistakes. I think that's probably one of the bigger things that I've noticed about the team in, the, in this, this lull that they've been going through. A lot of base-running mistakes, right? And you also had that little dust-up between Victor Robles and Mackenzie Gore earlier this week where the ball dropped in front of Robles, and he and Gore kind of got into it in the dugout. Teammates sort of got involved, but it, it, it never really evolved into anything major. And it sounds like both guys have squashed that since then. Well, turns out Robles 
off to the injured list, a 10-day injured list, with a bum back that likely contributed to him not being able to catch that ball. And what I would say, too, is if you're not paying attention to what is going on in the minor leagues for the Nationals, that that's where a lot of the excitement from folks that cover this team and, and that are focused on the future of the Washington Nationals are, are getting a lot of the information and, and a lot of the optimism. Because you, you have guys like James Wood who are, who are making their way through the Nationals minor league system, maybe even a little bit quicker than they thought Robert Hassel, right? And you can't forget about the Nationals draft pick, Elijah Green. You know, at some point, that is likely going to be your new starting outfield. Robles has been given plenty of opportunities to become a, a stalwart out there in center field. And I just don't think he's been consistent enough. He's probably playing his final games as a Washington national here this season. Now I look at guys like Lane Thomas and Alex call. And I think the conversation is a little bit different, definitely with regard to Lane Thomas, because he's been your best player, certainly offensively, but you could probably say your best position player overall this season in 2023 for the Nats. So that's not something that you're just willing to kind of scoot aside and let the new prospects come in and, and just kind of let Lane Thomas be someone that contributes from the bench every now and then. I, I don't think that that's their plan. And it's a good problem to have when you're talking about depth. And he's not a guy that I expect the Nationals to try and trade around the trade deadline this year. Whereas I think Joey Manessis is probably a guy that, that might get traded in that scenario. So there's things to keep an eye on that are happening beneath the Nationals at the highest level, the Major League Baseball level of the organization, where you go down a little bit, you take a peek at where Robert Hassel is, what he's been doing, and James Wood, and, and some of the other guys too, like Brady House, who... I think has a, a, a chance to make his way up to the majors here in the next couple of years. If the Nationals can just hold on, right? If, if they can continue to just play competitive baseball and, you know, start to win some of the one-run games that they were involved in in the earlier part of the season before this last really tough 18-game sled, they, they'll, they'll be in a decent position here at the end of the season and, you know, with regard to the development, can actually start to, you know, look toward the future and, and see where some of the prospects that we've been talking about might fit in with the guys that have played well, like Lane Thomas, that are currently with the Nationals at the Major League level. All right, let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. Also related to the Nationals, the Masson dispute between the Nats and the Orioles had a major hurdle cleared this week. But Coming up next, there was an interesting piece from the Washington Post that hit the internet yesterday, similar to the news around the commanders and the voting of the NFL owners and the potential sale of that team. This post or this article from the Washington Post actually concerns all of the DC sports teams in the city. So we're going to get to that coming up next on 1067 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Just a quick reminder that coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking with our guy Ryan Clary, producer for the Grant and Danny show right here on 106.7 The Fan Weekdays from 2 to 6.30. Ryan, also the host of Locked On Nationals, the Locked On Nationals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I have the chance to join Ryan every now and then on that podcast, so we're going to continue our discussion on the Washington Nationals coming up. At the top of the 2 o'clock hour, 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. That's where we're going to go now, where Chris is calling in from Maryland and wants to chime in. Chris, thanks so much for calling this morning, this afternoon. Hey, thanks. Um, I'll stick right there where you were with Victor and Lane Thomas and Joey Manessis. Did you? What are the contracts on the three? Like, where's Robles and uh, Manessas? I think Lane has this year and next year. Am I mistaken? I believe so. I'd have to double check that. I think Robles is the is the guy that's coming up to to his contract expiring. Okay, man. That, yeah. And 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 that's the thing. Um, yeah, because Victor, bless his heart. I mean, uh, he's uh, he came up. He was the first one we thought. But you know, we've had Michael Morris, Roger Bernardino, several people, and. And sometimes you just have to move on when they're hot. But Victor's an enigma. I'll give it to you. He certainly <laughs> played his heart out in 19. But he seems a little bit like Michael Taylor in the offensive category somewhat. And um, Michael A. Taylor. And um, I'm not certain we'll see his um, – we'll see that. I, but he certainly isn't much of a trade piece the way his, this season's going if that contract is coming due. Lane, on the other hand, maybe. I mean, he's peaking. And Manessas, we're looking for more power. Do you know? And but all three, I kind of see like you described. It's not going to be the one we hit the ground running with when we're uh, getting back into competition. And speaking real quick of that, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I picked them to beat the sixty wins this year, which I still think they will. And I've picked them to at least try to hit that five hundred mark next year, which which, it's the expanded playoffs, at least puts you in an interesting conversation of um, competing, but there's only if all things go right. And then I think that's when we, that's when we take our step forward. Thank you for taking my call, and uh, appreciate talking that on here on Saturday. Tell Ryan and Chris from Damascus that hello. I'll be listening. <laughs> I will. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the call. Good insight there as well. Uh, to answer the question that, that Chris was asking, too, about the contract details surrounding Joey Manessis, Victor Robles, and, and Lane Thomas, all of those guys have, have recently signed one-year deals, right? They, they don't necessarily become... 
uh, unrestricted free agents anytime soon. Like someone like Lane Thomas is not going to become an unrestricted free agent until 2026. But to avoid arbitration, the Nationals are going to have to make deals with him over the next couple of years to ensure that that does not happen. There are similar uh, structures here for Victor Robles and, and Joey Manessis, although there's a club option in Victor Robles's, uh his contract coming up in 2024 that I, I have to imagine they will probably not exercise. Now, I, I don't know if they'll be able to to involve him in a trade coming up in July of this year, or which is just next month. It's actually amazing how quickly July has, has made its way to the calendar here. But uh, someone like Joey Manessis is definitely someone that I could see the Nationals trading close to the trade deadline this year because he is contributing at the plate, hitting north of 290, which he hit north of 300 for the Nationals last year, and everyone saw on the global stage what he could do with the World Baseball Classic representing Mexico. So he he's probably someone that is your your top uh, your 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 top piece of of trade asset that that the national and the Nationals are definitely not done moving guys and trying to get everyone into their you know respective uh, their their respective positions as well. 800-636-1067. That is the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Now let's go back to the MGM National Harbor listener lines as Carlos from Alexandria is calling in, wants to talk some more nationals with us. Carlos, thanks for the call. How's it going? Hey, hey good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Um, yeah. I don't think there'd be much of a market, honestly, for Victor, just as an aside here. Um, yeah, you know, which, probably. Which, 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 if, you're, if you're in a pennant race, he's not really an upgrade in an outfield Unless you're looking for defense, defense uh, I think. Yeah. But right, yeah. My, my, um, I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about why Riley Adams should get more at bats. Yeah, let's um, hear it. Th- this kid, this kid is hitting the ball, and mm-hmm. uh, he's got power. I know there was a, there was an attempt last year. There was some talk about him, you know, taking grounders at first. Uh, if Manessis does get moved, you know, that could be an option there. And this kid, this kid could hit, you know, a lot of home runs for us, and he and he hits for average too. Yeah, I, I I think that's a great point. And and by the way, I, Carlos, I, I think that that Adams would be the the perfect guy to slot in there at first base. It, it seems like it's been quite some time. Even even when you look at the the World Series team in 2019, right? They stuck Ryan Zimmerman there, and that worked out. I think that was that was perfect. But for much of the Nationals' existence since 2005, it doesn't really seem like they've had a. Uh, uh, just a, a stalwart there at first base and Adams who continues to get better actually seems like he would be a pretty good option at batting 304 right now it, it feels like if not now then when right when 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 is he finally going to get that shot he's only it looks like he's only played in 16 games he's got 63 plate appearances on the year but yeah and and by the way I know Carlos is not alone in Folks believing that Riley Adams needs to be getting some more opportunities here. You know, Adams, 6'4", 260 pounds. He's definitely built to, he could be at least, play first base there. Now, normally a catcher and a left fielder, obviously there's a a learning curve to moving into the infield, especially at the major league level. So that would probably take some time. There'd be some growing pains. But if Adams happened to be the guy that, that ends up playing first base, uh, on a more longer term 
case by case basis, as opposed to the situation that the Nationals are in right now, where Dominic Smith is is your starter, and I don't think he's bad at all. He's hitting two sixty one this year, seventeen RBIs, couple of home runs. I don't think Dom Smith is bad at all, but maybe as as Adams is a, a little bit of a younger guy to come up and and try and you know develop and find his place in the organization, uh, that could definitely be a spot where you could see him contributing a little bit more. And and Dom Smith, by the way, only 28 years old. He just had a birthday, as a matter of fact, June 15th, which is the day after my younger brother's birthday. So happy belated birthday to uh, Dom Smith. Let's step aside, though. Let's take a quick break. I don't want to get too far into the next segment. I mentioned we still have some stuff to get to with regards to a Washington Post article that details the situations that each of the D.C. sports franchises are in we'll save that now for the final hour the two o'clock hour which we will kick off in about 15 minutes with more nationals talk our guy ryan clary will be joining the show he's the producer for grant and danny and host of the locked on nationals podcast but coming up next we wrap up the one o'clock hour so stick around you're listening to 1067 the fan Final segment of the 1 o'clock hour on a Saturday afternoon, 1.51 p.m. here on the East Coast. Andy Noakes with you, Connor in studio, producing the show. A little over an hour left in today's program. We'll kick things off at the 2 o'clock hour. The conversation around the Nationals and our guy Ryan Clary, producer for Grant and Danny, host of the Locked On Nationals podcast. It's coming up next. And with not a whole lot of time here to kill in the final segment of this hour we'll stay in the world of baseball but we'll go to college because tonight marks the beginning of the college world series final series <laughs> it's it, it if if you don't pay attention to college baseball you're not familiar with how it works the college world series actually began with eight teams and not just two teams whereas the major league baseball world series is just the final series between the two best teams in the National League and the American League. It's a little bit different in college, right? So college baseball has been tough for me to personally watch this season because my Virginia Tech Hokies have been firmly out of the NCAA tournament picture for some time. They took a major step back after hosting and winning a regional last season. But it doesn't mean it still hasn't been a lot of fun because it has. Now, there are a number of teams that were featured in this year's College World Series. It includes Florida, TCU, Wake Forest, UVA, Oral Roberts, LSU, Stanford, and Tennessee. So a lot of SEC teams in there, right? Well, there is a popular restaurant and bar across the street from the stadium in Omaha where they're playing the College World Series. It's called Rocco's Pizza and Cantina. Now, they've got a whiteboard, and they've been using and updating this whiteboard since the beginning of this year's College World Series. I believe it's actually the fourth annual version of this event that they have been doing to go along with the college world series and that challenge is the rocco's jello shot challenge in 2023 five dollars a pop and so they've been tweeting these out there have been various beat reporters that cover each of the teams that have been playing in the college world series that have been tweeting updates of this as well you've got the list of teams that we just ran through as the competitors in the jello shot challenge and so the longer your team stays in the College World Series, the bigger the advantage you would have, right? The rules for it are you buy a Jello shot, you either submit it to one of the teams, Florida, TCU, Wake Forest, and, and you just keep building and see how which team can 
can get the most donations, if you will, uh, based on the jello shots that they've been taking in honor of. So we said the longer your team stays in it, the bigger advantage you've got. So I- I've got to mention, though, UVA, who did make it to the College World Series this year, 569 shots. They are in dead last and as a, a Virginia Tech fan that's visited Lane Stadium North, otherwise known as Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that they have been lacking on the jello shots. So no wonder they, they, they weren't near the top. They were actually in dead loss. I'm just having a little fun there, who's fans. But so, the one team that's dwarfing every other team on the board in this year's jello shot challenge is LSU. And LSU also happens to be starting their first of a three-game series to try and take home that national championship title in the final series of the College World Series against the Florida Gators with first pitch scheduled for 6 o'clock tonight. So you can check that out a little bit later on. That'll start right before the Nationals game gets underway. But so as LSU is one of the last teams still alive in the College World Series, makes sense that they would be at the top. Well, Thursday, when I checked, LSU had north of 29,000 jello shots to their name. Ole Miss... In 2022, their record last year was 18,777. So LSU, with at least two games still to play, is already clear of 29,000 jello shots and a chance to probably pretty easily break 30 with, I would expect, a lot of people probably adding to that total as we speak right now. But that is the current jello shot record, according to Rocco's. And... Just as another small aside, I believe it was due in large part to a $30,000 bar tab from a Baton Rouge resident, entrepreneur, and the founder of fried chicken establishment Raising Cane's, Todd Graves. He went to Rocco's a couple of days ago and bought 6,000 Jello shots that certainly put LSU far enough out in front that no one would be catching them. By the way, it also broke the Guinness World Record for the largest drink order ever placed the previous record was held by none other than the legendary merle haggard who bought 5095 shots of canadian club for his fans at billy bobs in texas back in 1983 so there's some debate as to the legitimacy of that record because it's also said that there's a british brewery out there that set the record by buying 412 drinks for customers celebrating Queen Elizabeth's 90th birthday back in 2016. While the number of drinks is much lower, the total would have been based on gallons consumed, which is obviously a lot higher than a little shot. And this is, again, the fourth year of the Jello Shot Challenge. So, hey, this is this. <laughs> sometimes these are the, the stories that, that people care the most about with regards to uh, a national champion being on the the doorstep of of greatness and whatnot so i I just thought that that was a little bit of fun that they're having over there in omaha and you got game one of the college world series starting tonight florida and lsu get after it at six o'clock all right let's step aside we'll take a quick break we're coming back for the final hour of the show and we're going to talk to ryan clary producer for grant and danny host of locked on national stick around you're listening to 106.7 the fan okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.